Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing in our series titled, According to the Pattern. And our text scripture is found in Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 through 9, where God spoke to Moses and said, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And God wanted Moses to make it exactly like he said, because within the tabernacle are three prophetic patterns about the future. The first one's called the pattern of the way, and that's the way to find the Father, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Well, the first part of the way is the narrow gate, and there's only one gate in the tabernacle of Moses. It's a narrow gate, and what gets you there is the baptism of repentance. And the gate's on the east, and if we head west, we enter into the outer court where we find the brazen altar. And that's where Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins and gave his life for our redemption. We receive it when we call on him, for whosoever calls on him shall be saved. And immediately we're baptized into the body of Christ. We become the body of Christ on the earth and his ambassadors. It's called the baptism into the body. We keep heading west and we come to the brazen laver. It represents water baptism, which is a show of who we are in Christ. It also stands for the washing of the water by the word of God as we grow in the Lord. Keep heading west. We go to the door of the sanctuary into the first room called the holy place. The door, in order to get in, Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you be filled with power from on high. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's where we're endowed with the power of the Spirit to be the church on earth for the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's four baptisms. It's the baptism of repentance, then the baptism into the body of Christ, then the baptism in water, and the fourth baptism for the empowerment is the baptism in the Spirit. The baptism of repentance brings us to Christ. The baptism into the body joins us with Christ. The baptism in water shows us we're in Christ. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in the Spirit and be the church on the earth. And then the three pieces of furniture in the holy place. On the left, it's the golden candlestick. It represents the power and the golden oil of the Holy Spirit. For it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And it's the golden oil that's the light and the fire of the church. Go to the other side on the right and we find the table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life, and his life was sacrificed for us, 
we partake of that bread, and we become the showbread for him. We're his ambassadors, and when they see us, they should see Christ, for we are his representatives on the earth. And then there's the altar of incense, which is the church, and our prayers praying before God, and the angels add the incense with our prayers before the throne of God. They go up and fill the holy place of the Lord. And as we continue west, we talked about the veil. The veil was rent from the top down. The measurement of the veil, the curtain dividing the holy place from the holy of holies in the sanctuary was approximately 15 feet tall and 15 feet wide. And when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was rent. It was torn because Jesus Christ is providing the way into the full presence of the Lord. And that gets us to the holy of holies. And it's a room square, about 15 feet tall, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. Inside that room is the Ark of the Covenant. Psalm 99 verse 1 says, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. Between the cherubim, on the Ark of the Covenant, it's called the mercy seat. Kevin Connor, in his book concerning the Tabernacle of Moses, writes, Realizing that the New Testament writers are the infallible interpreters of the Old Testament, we see in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, exactly who this mercy seat is. Romans 3.25 says, Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What we find is the Greek word used here for propitiation is the same Greek word that is used in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, which is translated mercy seat. So we see that Jesus was set forth by God to be our mercy seat. When we see what was involved in this mercy seat, it can only make this conclusion more apparent. He continues to write, It was here from above the mercy seat that God spoke to Aaron. It mentions that in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 22, and in the book of Numbers, chapter 7, verse 89. This is where the blood of the slain bullock was sprinkled as atonement for the sin of the nation. The priest could never enter the most holy place without the blood. And so we see that the voice of God from off the mercy seat was only heard through blood atonement. God has nothing to say to man apart from Jesus Christ and his redeeming blood. That's a good word from Kevin Connor. So what is the mercy seat? It is the place of meeting. It is covered in the blood. You can come meet with God and have a private conversation anytime you want. Because Jesus paid the price, the veil is no longer hiding his presence. You no longer have to be the high priest because the eternal high priest has taken his blood and paid the price for you to enter. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So the torn veil was not to let God out, but to let us in. Where? Into the meeting place. Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, it says, And there I will meet with you. God no longer needs a box for a conversation. It can now take place directly in our heart. Listen to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, 
that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the tabernacle of God is within you. It's in your heart. Listen to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is because he dwells above, through, and in us. And we find that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Christ dwells in our heart. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Christ is with us in our heart. He's above us, in us, and through us. So go ahead and have a conversation with your Father, God himself. Let me read our text scripture again, Exodus 25. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And so we're talking about the room, the Holy of Holies. Let's read Psalm 99, verse 1 again. It says, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. Now inside the ark were three items. The Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone, a golden pot of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. These items are very important, and they speak of three great truths. The Ten Commandments speak of the Father, His law, our tutor, His boundaries, His standards, His all-time best advice for our future happiness and success. The problem with the law is it also brings consequences. While it is actually the standard for life, it also brings death to those who are guilty. Even though we're now redeemed spiritually from its power of death and separation from God, it can still bring great destruction to our natural lives on earth. If we don't think so, just try a little adultery, sexual immorality, lying, or stealing. It won't be long before we see the devastation it can bring to our lives. The New Testament talks of sin's deception. It does so in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, and Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Sin is so deceptive, continual behavior in its temptation has the power to lead people away from Christ. It has the power to carry someone so deep into its pull, eventually they reject Christ and lose their salvation, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Now, just because we were once saved does not mean we do not have the ability to again reject him. He will honor our rejection because he has given us free choice. Remember this, sin is very deceptive. It's hard to believe some who know Christ will actually change their mind, turn and reject him. It can and will happen. Why do we think the devil is working so hard to get rid of the Ten Commandments? I'll tell you why. 
because the Ten Commandments have the power to bring life. Yes, at first we're slain because we're guilty. But after we repent, which is the baptism of repentance found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, thanks to our tutor showing us that we have sinned and our wages is death, we call on Jesus, which is the baptism into the body out of Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Now we have inherited the righteousness of God in Christ because Christ paid the price for our sin. It's called the great exchange. I call it the divine exchange. We are saved, born again, and new creatures in Christ. And that's from Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and 13, the book of John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, and the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Should we now get rid of the Ten Commandments? No. Let's not reject our tutor. The Ten Commandments are the best advice and guidance anyone could ever give us. The Ten Commandments are God's moral law. Do we want success and happiness in life? I suggest we listen to our tutor. He is, by the way, God, our Heavenly Father. I can't believe our time is already up, but I can believe we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place, same channel. See you then. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.